0: The scriptures is from Genesis 15. We are working with the series, All in the Family, and um, that's the family of God. And the family of God has its origins in Abraham and Sarah. They are the Adam and Eve of the creation of the people of God. And the story of Abraham and Sarah Coming to faith is so critical for our faith awareness as well. As Abraham came to faith, so we come to faith. So, Genesis 15 is a very critical passage in this journey of develop, growing God's people. And we are part of that family as believers. Genesis 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord credited to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to ask the older ones amongst us to dig into their files up here, to uh, go back in time to uh, November 9, 1965. That's before a good many of us were born. Uh, 58 years ago in Ontario's history, that big blackout. How many remember the big blackout of 1965? Very few. Well, I'll tell you what happened. 5.30 p.m., anything that was running on hydroelectricity quit. Lights went dark. Anything stopped. Lights everywhere went dark. All of Ontario, parts of Quebec, the northeastern states of the United States, uh, including New York City, so millions of people were affected, causing many to sit in darkness, suppers went cold, elevators got stuck with people in them, Uh, electric trains stopped, people got caught in tunnels, and uh, suppers went cold, traffic stopped, traffic lights didn't work, cities went dark. The darkness lasted for 14 hours, and the cause probably a $40 relay switch, the Adam Beck power station in Niagara Falls. There was a surge of electricity and that relay switch tripped and it created a further surge with others. And so there was a gradual tripping of relay switches. That one little relay switch, as it failed, Millions of people were left in the dark, one little switch, one little switch, which would give light and power and light um, and, and the ability to, to live, that switch failed. Now, from that image, I want to take us to Genesis 15, verse 6. Abram believe the Lord, and the Lord credited to him as righteousness. On this little verse hangs the truth of our salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. On this verse rests our assurance of the love of God. This verse is what gives us hope, light, and power for living the life of faith And if it's truth, verse six, if it's truth does not hold firm, then we are left in the dark. We are finished, we are without hope. Then the message that was given through the Apostle Paul, for instance, in Galatians and Romans about being granted righteousness by faith, that verse fails as well. In this small verse, rests our salvation. So let's unpack the story so you see what I'm driving at. The situation with Abram is this. He's an old man, so is Sarah, his wife. And what he sees with his eyes about himself argues against what he has been promised by God. God had promised him children, descendants, as numerous as the dust of the earth. And uh, also all the land that Abram could walk on. That was the promise of God. I will be your God and you will have descendants as numerous as the dust of the earth. But here and now, in Genesis 15, what Abram sees with his eyes and what he knows with his brain doesn't look very good. It mocks what he's been promised. God promised this, and when he sees himself, and he sees his wife, Sarah, long past the age of tile-bearing, his body as good as dead, says the Romans, verse nine, Romans 4, verse 19. He has all this wealth, all these herds, and Eleazar of Damascus is... Uh, going to inherit his his wealth, and he has no son. His eyes and his brain tell him there isn't a chance that the promise of God's gonna come true at this stage of my life. God's promise looks like it's gonna fail. So he says so to, to God when he responds to God's visit. He says, you have given me no children. And uh, that's a direct challenge to God. So the situation is that has, he has his promise, but he has no son. So one night in a vision, God comes to him and says, uh, God, God comes kind of like checking in on, on, on Abram, his, his, uh, his chosen one. Uh, was God aware that Abram Abraham was struggling with his faith? Was he anxious about his future? And God taps into that anxiety and says, uh, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your protector, your very great reward. But Abraham really quickly comes back with, what good is all this wealth that I have gained in my life? I have all the sheep, the goats, the flocks, the herds, household servants, and much more besides. What are all these toys and trinkets compared to an empty bassinet? I hear no cries of an infant in my tent. My wife and I are in a kind of like silent mode. The, The place is so quiet. What good will gaining more wealth do me? Eliezer a slave is going to be my heir and my family name will die as well when I try to enter into the story and we're invited to do that you enter into the story I hear the pain of a childless couple a childless couple who have everything they ever wanted but they remain childless They have been yearning and praying for years to be blessed with children. The house is missing the cry of an infant. There's an unspeakable silence. They don't remind each other of their predicament. And yes, Abram is afraid. He's anxious because there he is, 80 years old. What he knows suggests promises of God are coming empty. Can a 90-year-old man and an 80-year-old woman, both as good as dead, expect to conceive and give birth to a child? Abram doubts. He's not so sure anymore. Put yourself in Abram's shoes. Put yourself in Abram's shoes. This is the struggle of faith. The promises of God seem to fly in the face of what you see with your eyes and what you know with your brain. The struggle is to believe, to have confidence in the promises of God when your eyes and your brains say isn't going to happen. This is the story of God's children coming to faith. The Adam and Eve of our God's family and uh, like father like children his struggle our struggle I've stood at the graves of many people who are being buried and we recite the Apostles Creed and it comes to that line as the casket descends I believe in the resurrection of the dead And your head says, really? I don't know. I don't know. That's the predicament. What you see with your eyes, what you know with your brain, argues against the promises of God. And God takes Abram's anxiety, his doubts seriously. And in verse 4, God comes right back to Abram and says, nothing doing. Nothing doing. Eliezer is not going to be your heir, but a son coming from your own body. And notice how the scripture changes, changes wording here. From the word of God to he. God comes in person and takes Abram outside. Come with me, Abram. Look at the night sky. Take a look at the sky. Polaris Orion, Poliades, Milky Way. Count the stars. Go ahead. Count the stars, if you can count them. And you notice in verse, if you have your Bibles open, there's, there's a, a pause in the conversation. The word then is a pause God invites Abram to look at the sky. And there he is, standing looking. And God doesn't say anything. He gives Abram some chance to, yeah, look up there, get it into his head. And God says, then, God says, as if God was giving him time to consider. And God said, so shall your offspring be. As numerous as the stars in the sky. And then something must have happened in Abram's head, heart, mind. Am I imagining the scene? As I'm entering it, I can see Abram turning to God with his eyes wide open, his mouth wide open, in awe-struck wonder, speechless at first, and if he knew the words, I think he would have said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. The text says simply, Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. In other words, this one, I'm good with. This one will be the Adam of my people. His wife will be the Eve of my people. Abram is declared righteous. You are good with God. So what happened to Abram that he moved from doubt to faith? Abram believed that he could have a son, not because he suddenly felt new vigor in his bones, not because Sarah's body reversed a few years, not because he had seen the stars with his eyes. What happened to Abram happened to Simon Peter as well. When Jesus asked his disciples one time, you know, a lot of people are talking about me. Who do people say that I am? Well. Yeah, you know, they could see Jesus in the flesh, robe, hair, beard, perhaps. And uh, when people could see Jesus at work, his disciples could see him at work. And Jesus said, well, who do you people say that I am? And, well, the disciples said, well, you're John the Baptist back from the dead. Or you're Elijah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus says, okay, now, what about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? Now, imagine, well, if you watch the TV series, The Chosen, and you see Jesus there, garbed as he is, and he should stand in front of you, and he should ask you the question, who do you say I am? Your eyes and your head say, you're just an ordinary human being. Your eyes and your head say, you're just an ordinary human being like me. That's what Peter saw. But Peter's confession was, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. That is a different kind of eyesight. That's having the eyes of the heart open to see what the human eye cannot see and to understand what the human brain cannot understand. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, for this has not been revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. He is born from above, as we say. His head, the light went on in his head, and it came from God himself by his Holy Spirit. Peter could see with eyes from the heart This light went on as the work of God. And Abram looked up at the night sky and saw stars. God looked up and saw descendants of the children of Abraham. And you and I were part of that mass that you could see in the sky. And then Abram could see God saw and this is the miracle of faith this is the miracle of believing to see what God sees Abraham believed what God said and the stars became a sacrament a sign of the promise of God that he would have descendants like the dust of the earth like the stars of the sky so they became a sacrament and so you have the dust of the earth as a sacrament by day, and you have the stars of the night as a sacrament at night. Abraham believed purely and simply by the power of God, the birth of the Holy Spirit on his heart and mind. He could see, he had his eyes opened. To have the eyes of the heart opened simply to see what God sees. And I mentioned at the start of the message that verse 6 here is like that electrical safety switch at the Sir Adam Beck power station in Niagara Falls. That switch failed, and it will put us in the dark. That's what happened. This verse 6, if it fails, then we are in the dark. We are without spiritual hope. Without hope, we have no light. We are afraid to stand before God on our dying day. This is a big deal. This verse 6 is a big deal. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3 said that there is no one righteous. No, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have all together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. And if you think you can get righteous before God by being, doing good, you have no hope. This testifies to the fact that all your deeds before the face of God aren't going to help and today's world this is how people try to define themselves as being good and being righteous by being obedient to the rules by being obedient to the commandments that God lays out and uh, they think that God grades on a curve as long as you're somewhere on the curve you'll be okay God doesn't grade on a curve. It's either pass or fail. Either pass or fail. The problem is, when we, what we see with our eyes, and what we know in our conscience, condemns us. You look in the mirror, and sometimes you're ashamed of yourself. You know your sins, you know your shortcomings, they are your reality. You're not nearly the person you appear to be on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. There's the side of you where uh, you're not proud of yourself. You're not proud of how you talk and how you act. We know the kind of person we are when we do business. We know how we treat our, our spouse. We know how we, we talk rough. To our kids. We have these explosions of anger and all this kinds of stuff that we deal with. And uh, try as much as you can to do good and the right stuff. You never will achieve the place where you think, okay, I've done enough, and God grades on a curve. I shouldn't be able to make it. So then when you come to your dying day, you're like Abraham, anxious for your future. For the day you stand before God, you don't know if you're going to be found acceptable. So you're right where Abraham is. Verse 1 of Genesis 15. And God comes to you when you're un, when you are afraid, when you're not sure, when you doubt. What does God do? He doesn't take you outside to look at the stores. He takes, you to the, he takes you to the baptism font. He takes you to the baptism font, and every time you see a baptism, it's his reminder, I have adopted you before you even knew me. I washed you clean in the lifeblood of my son who died for you to forgive you of all that you makes you feel guilty and unacceptable before God. So God says, if you're anxious and afraid, remember your baptism. And if that isn't enough, he'll take you to the communion table and the cup and the, and the tray. He said, you are, re- you are reminded in this feast of communion, the Lord's Supper, that this is the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ given for a complete forgiveness of all your sins, where righteousness comes not by being perfect, but comes by believing that in Jesus you are forgiven and made new. Or, if this isn't enough, he'll take you to a cathedral a cathedral where there's a crucifix, and you sit in the front pew and you study the story. It makes it real. That's a human being. A human being. How did you get there? Why? And you unpack the story. And you realize, it's for me. It's for me. Jesus dying so that we will no longer be condemned. It sinks in. He did this for me. And your eyes of your heart are opened. Consider Galatians 3, verse 6-9. So also Abraham believed God... And it was credited to him as righteousness understand then that those who have faith are children of abraham scripture foresaw that god would justify you and me the gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to abraham all nations will be blessed through you so those who rely on faith are blessed along with abraham the man of faith consider this word from our catechism, question and answer 60. How are you righteous before God? That's the fundamental question we all have to answer. And the answer is let everyone say. Amen. you believe it? Say it again. If you believe it, you are right with God. You can have joy in meeting him. You are right with God. Not because you've said so but because he said so. Take him at his word. Let's pray. We're glad, Father, that you have the upper hand in deciding who gets in to be your children. You want everyone to believe and to trust in what you've done to make them your children. We look at ourselves and our conscience condemns us. We look at Jesus and we see someone condemned on our behalf and we are set free, we are forgiven. To open the eyes of our heart, we pray, that I may see, that we may see, all the ways that you have for me are in your hand, and we will never be in the dark. The power of that gift that you've given in your Son flows through us, and we live in gratitude and in joy being identified as belonging to you help us to live for your glory in the name of jesus we ask this amen